Hey, everybody. So I know I said I was going on break, and that ended up being a very short break on the PBC podcast, but a few things have happened to make me change my mind. First of all, it was you. I heard from a lot of you that they, that you were really sad to hear that the PBC podcast might not come back, and I really wasn't sure how much value it was adding and that feedback was just what I needed. So thank you so much for that. Second is that Stephen Zampanti from our Minneapolis chapter has stepped up to fill the shoes of Emily Knight, who was my audio editor before. She has moved on to Bigger Better Things with the Blue Planet 2 podcast, so you should go and listen. She is one of the hosts. And Stephen has stepped up to take on the editing of the podcast, which is a huge help. So I want to thank him for this. And finally, I've reformatted the podcast and I'm adding a regular co-host. That co-host is Sarah DeSilva. She is the founder of the podcast review website and newsletter called Audible Feast. And she will be my co-host moving forward. So I'm really happy about that. At the end of the segment, toward the end of the podcast, you'll hear a conversation between Sarah and I just talking about what she does and how natural it is for her to be the co-host on the podcast. So stay tuned for that. And spoiler alert, you are going to want to join her newsletter. Trust me. So let's talk about the format. So this is a little bit experimental, and I'm asking you guys for your honest and constructive feedback. So what we're going to do is as Sarah and I listen to the podcast episodes every month, we are going to sort of in the moment hit pause when we have something to say and record a voice memo. And then we're going to sort of patch it all together with the help of Stephen. And we're going to kind of turn it into a little bit of an asynchronous conversation. So typically the podcast has had guests on it and I'd, I've I've had an, a real-time conversation with them. That was a little bit too much for me. I just couldn't schedule it and it was a little difficult with scheduling and technical difficulties. So this is a little bit easier for us. And also it's I think it's a little bit more interesting because we are really passionate about what we have to say in the moment. And sure, we can write notes and come to a conversation real time, but it just doesn't have the same feel. So I think the hitting pause and recording a voice memo and turning it into sort of an asynchronous conversation will work nicely. We will see. Uh, we might pivot if it's not working, but we definitely need your feedback on this. So you can email me at podcast at podcastbrunchclub.com if you have feedback. Now on to the playlist for the month. This month, our theme was Looking for Love, and we featured four podcast episodes. One was from the Curiosity podcast. Another was from the Dear Sugars podcast. Another was from Rough Translation. And then an optional episode was from Hidden Brain. And I will say that a lot of the comments that Sarah and I recorded had to do with the Dear Sugars episode. The Dear Sugars episode featured a, an economist who was addressing the question of whether or not there is scarcity of available men, at least in a, a heterosexual context. So it was 
a really interesting episode. Sarah and I had quite different reactions, but I think I came around as I reflected on her comments. And you'll hear that coming up. Dear Sugars, I want to ask you about scarcity. At 34 years old, I'm still trying to find someone to settle down with. I can't quite shake this idea that, quote, all the good ones are taken. I wonder, is scarcity a real thing? I know people find love at all ages, but I'm currently surrounded by couples who are planning the rest of their lives together. Signed, Scared of Scarcity. I'm listening to Dear Sugars, and I'm thinking about the different clock for women versus men. And I wonder if that's really different now than it used to be where women can freeze their eggs. There's a totally different biological clock, and so many more women are doing this. Companies are making it more available. So does that kind of lengthen your time frame of when you can, or take the pressure off, I guess, of, of how long it need, it takes you or at what age you find that mate? So I just listened to Sarah's comment about Dear Sugars and how she was pondering whether or not the ability to freeze eggs has changed our timeline. And I just want to respond by saying that I agree with Sarah. I think that women are not as pressured by the biological clock that as they may have been in the past. And I would bet, although I don't have any data to back this up, that it has changed how, you know, women see their life trajectory. From a simple supply and demand point of view, women do have something to worry about and it gets much worse as they age. I would say realism is very, very important here. You can't hold out for the perfect man out there because first of all, he doesn't exist. And second of all, if he did, somebody else might have found him by now instead. There is no one, as they say. In Dear Sugars, I am listening to The Economist say you can't hold out for the perfect man out there because he doesn't exist. And I feel like I want to punch The Economist in the face because what does perfect mean? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, I feel like he's saying to women, first of all, it's a guy saying this. What A guy is saying, like, oh, you know, you can't be perfect. It's, there's no such thing as perfect. I don't think any woman is looking for a perfect man. Like, that's so, like, insulting. Also, I keep thinking about this desperation factor. I think that guys think, because of this biological clock thing, that if a woman is over 30, even, she just wants to get married. And that's scary for them. I wonder how much that plays into both on both sides, women acting desperate or talking about marriage on the first date or whatever. Um, how much that like sort of feeling like you're running out of time or you don't have enough time to explore a relationship with somebody, how much that factors into this inequity of uh, guys being available for women at that age. I'm I'm laughing because um, I just listened to Sarah's comment about how she wants to punch the economists from Dear Sugars in the face. And I kind of feel like I should tell her she should also probably punch me in the face because 
So I get what she's saying about, you know, women aren't looking for perfect, quote unquote, perfect. But I do, I do sort of tend to agree that we're, and I, I think I said this in another comment, we're constantly women and girls and little girls are constantly inundated with like Prince Charming and this whole happily ever after storyline. And, and I think we somewhat expect that. And and there's, you know, all these check marks, check boxes. And I'm not saying that men don't have it too. I think men do have it. But um, but I don't think that the, uh, apparently the data shows that there's more available women looking for men than men look, looking for women. And I think nobody's looking for anybody buddy perfect. And I think the word settle might be a word that we have to retire and start using something else, you know, like compromise. Because... Even if sometimes even the things that I want in a, in somebody and I and I'm you know I'm I'm engaged, but sometimes the things that I think I want or that I thought I wanted were contradictory to each other. So I would say like, oh, I you know I might want somebody who's funny and makes me laugh, but also serious and intellectual and you know thoughtful or whatever. And and sometimes it's just it's not always realistic. You can have the, you know, Prince Charming idea in your head, but practically it's just they don't, those people don't exist. And I think at the end of the day, maybe it's, again, the word might not be settling, but compromising, living with somebody who's not perfect because you're not perfect and just realizing that maybe, you know, it doesn't have, you know, and again, perfect in and of themselves or perfect for you. A little catchphrase I like to use as an economist, I'm a labor economist. Some people won the Nobel Prize for pointing out that workers and firms that are too picky waiting for the exact perfect uh, match Mm -hmm. is one of the contributing factors that leads to unemployment in society. And so it's literally the same exact logic. People who are searching for partners who are too picky end up uh, what I like to refer to as romantically unemployed. Okay, I am continuing to have issues with the Dear Sugar Economist. I feel like his comments about, you know, women are just, they're too picky and they're looking for the one. I I guess he didn't generalize. He didn't say that all women are doing that. But he said that if you are a woman and you are getting older and you are looking for the one, then you're not going to find it. And I feel like that is a horrible thing to say. I don't, I truly don't think anyone is looking for perfection. I am not in this demographic, but if I were, if today I became eligible and I was on the market, I would not be looking for someone who is perfect because I'm not married to someone who is perfect. And most people who've been in a relationship know that no one is perfect. So I reject this whole notion of you're looking for the one, the perfect person. I just, I don't think people really are. I also think the Dear Sugar Economist is blending in too much personal advice or personal opinion with actual economist um, perspective. Like, let's talk about the number of people in the world. Let's talk about whatever. But let's not talk about uh, what he thinks women are doing wrong. Oh, don't like it. 
So as I wrote in my book, uh, excuse me for quoting myself, I said, at some point you will say to yourself, though I recommend you do not say this out loud, my partner is truly wonderful. If I kept looking, I could probably do better. But I have to earn a living, make dinner, practice the piano, and do a bunch of other stuff. So I'm going to settle for this person and move on with my life. It could certainly be a lot worse. Now, saying that to yourself sounds terrible, but if you just say that with slightly more positive words in a couple of places, it sounds great. It's like, hey, this is my partner. I'm going to go forward, you know, with this person now and make a life. Right. Wow. And you got to do that at a certain point because, you know, otherwise you're going to look back and regret it. Okay, so I've been thinking more and more about how, about Sarah's comments about the Dear Sugars episode and her frustration with The Economist on the, on the show. And I think I've sort of reconciled it in my head because I think she's right. I think that The Economist was making an assumption that women are looking for perfection. And her and Sarah's reaction is absolutely no, they're not. And I just jumped right over that and, you know, just kind of took that as, yeah, women are looking for perfection or should and should they? Or like, is there a soulmate or is there the one out there for every single person? Um, without really thinking through whether or not that's even valid because people, whether or not people are even looking for that in the first place. Because if people are not looking for that in the first place, then the conversation or the, or the, the point he's trying to make is not valid anymore. But if people think there are, you know, there is the one or there is a perfect person out there for them, I still think that I just don't, I don't believe in that. And I don't think Sarah, I think if I was talking to Sarah real time right now, I think she would agree with me. I mean, she even said, you know, her husband's not perfect. She's, she's not perfect. I've said many times I'm not perfect. I've said many times my partner's not perfect. I think the question she's bringing up in my own head is, is that even an issue? Is like, is that the reason that women are not able to find, you know, the, the whole episode was about scarcity and that's sort of the, the, the question is, first of all, is there scarcity? And I think that he answered pretty definitively. Yes. He said it was based on, how long men live compared to women and since they have shorter lives it sort of skews everything and pushes things down i've also heard that education is a big factor and that more women are are educated are college educated now more women are actually graduating with college degrees i'd have to look that up to verify that but um but if that's true then all of a sudden there's all these women that won't probably date a man who doesn't also have a degree so that limits the pool and then the men that are in their pool are willing to date women who are not college educated so that even further limits the pool so there the question is is there scarcity and i think yes i've seen it personally i think that there is i've experienced it i've seen it with friends i think that there is um, but really, I think the question that Sarah's bringing up in my head is, uh, is that the, is the issue because women are being picky? And I think she's right. I don't think women are being picky. I think that there's scarcity because there's scarcity and it's really hard to find a good guy. 
I've been thinking about it even more and actually started listening to the most recent Hidden Brain episode on marriage. And it also features Eli Finkel, who is the guest on the Curiosity podcast for the playlist. And he talks about compatibility and that, you know, you can be with somebody who maybe you're not 100% compatible with, but most of the things you are, like I think that values and that kind of thing are really important to be on the same page. And then, you know, grow together. And I thought that was a really interesting way of framing the same question. Um, I also think compatibility is a good word. I think it's better than settling. Um, I think it gets at some of the same issues. You know, settling means you're making some compromises and you're not getting, you're not checking every single one of the boxes on your list. And then compatibility is, okay, whether or not this person sort of meshes with me. So thank you so much, Sarah, for agreeing to be my co-host on the newly formatted Podcast Brunch Club podcast. I'm really excited to be continuing this project. So thank you. I'm pumped. This is going to be so fun. I know. We talk all the time anyway, so it's just like a totally natural, a natural fit. So this will work. So I know that everybody listening is really curious to get to know you. And so I'm hoping you could just give everybody a little, a little Sarah intro. Yeah, sure, sure. So um, yeah, I'm super excited about this new project. I think it's going to be so fun to learn about more podcasts and talk about them with somebody I already talk about them with all the time. So yeah, I live in Houston and I have a family. I have a husband and two little kids. They're three and six, two little boys. And I'm an engineer by education and I work in a continuous improvement kind of job. And I travel sometimes for work. And I started a new job a couple of years ago and I was traveling all the time. I was going every single week. I was traveling three hour commute up to a a location in Texas and then be there all week, be kind of gone, a little bit bored at night. And a guy I work with, he told me, you know, well, you don't have to listen to music the whole time you drive up there and sitting around the hotel or whatever. You don't have to veg out in front of the TV. Why don't you try listening to podcasts? And I tried a couple of pretty mainstream podcasts. I was listening to Serial and Planet Money and This American Life. And pretty soon I kind of ran through the back catalog of (laughs) some of those. And I was like, I need to get some more fresh stuff to listen to. So I started looking around for any websites or any anything that would tell me if you like this, you might like this. And I had a bit of a struggle finding something. This was in 2015. And there were, I would say there weren't really a lot of people writing about podcasts at the time. So I kind of was going off the iTunes charts. And most people who listen to podcasts know that's a bit of a black box algorithm to understand what gets high on the iTunes chart. And a lot of times it's just what's popular. What are people downloading? And that's not necessarily what I liked. So anyway, this kind of led me to making my own uh, website. It's called Audible Feast and you can find it at audiblefeast.com. And I have been reviewing and recommending podcasts for the last three years or so. have met amazing, funny, hilarious, cool people 
from all over the world through writing and um, just learning about indie podcasts and learning about networks in other countries. So yeah, it's been super fun. It's become a total passion of mine to learn all about podcasts. Yeah. Big plug for for Audible Feast. She does an amazing job. She does all of these reviews and she'll give them star ratings on all these different elements, categories that she sort of has chosen, things like storytelling, funny, like comedy or what makes me laugh, makes me learn something, all these different categories she sort of reviews each podcast on. She listens in depth. So it's not just she'll listen to one podcast episode and do a review on it. She listens to a good handful, right? Yeah, I kind of yeah, I kind of have a self-imposed rule that I'm not going to review anything that I've listened to less than 5 episodes of and I I'm never going to like judge something based on the very first episode that I heard or and I, my goal is really like I want to be a resource for the people who are like me, who were like me a couple of years ago. And I was just looking for, I don't know what else I want to listen to, but I know there's hundreds of thousands of choices and I need somebody to help me kind of sift through that. I want to be that resource to help guide you. And I'm sure it's still my subjective thoughts, but if you kind of get used to my little rating system, that can help you guide to what what might be a good show for you to listen to. And in each of my reviews, I always give a recommendation at the end to like, if you like this one, you might like this. So that's a nice, another way to kind of surf through the website is click on the tags of one particular show name, and then it might lead you to other ones that you like. And the other awesome thing that you do is at the end of every review, you say a good episode to start with is. So if you're new to this podcast, it's always kind of overwhelming to go back into a back catalog and try to figure out which one, you know, is the best one to start with. So Sarah kind of does that heavy lifting for you and puts it right there on the on the review. You can sign up for her newsletter. She sends it out every other week. And she does a lot of press releases, too, so you can kind of get the latest news about what what is going on in the industry, what new podcasts are on the horizon. She'll also do some guest reviews. So I've done a couple of guest reviews for her. I've done, I think, The Moth. I reviewed Mogul. And so it's not always just her her opinions. She'll, so you can kind of get a good a good sense of other people's stuff. She'll, she'll even go and do re-reviews. You know, if she listened to something three years ago, podcasts change, tastes change. So she'll go back and update a review. And so it's a really good resource for those of you out there who are looking for podcasts to listen to and recommendations. And, and it's funny to hear you say that it was around 2015 that you started it because that's when I started Podcast Brunch Club. And I started it sort of the same. I had the sort of same thing. I was, I was actually post-surgical. I had had a pretty bad back injury and, and back surgery. And I was I was not in the best place mentally. I will just say that. And and I could not watch TV. I just could TV and movies were just, I don't know, for whatever reason, it was like nails on chalkboard for me. I was just, it was irritating. I couldn't. And I needed to feel like I was, I don't know, enriching myself somehow, I guess. And so I started listening to podcasts and I just didn't stop. I was homebound. It was the winter in Chicago and I just listened and listened and listened to podcasts. And actually, I think it started before that, before 2015. I think I started probably around 2013 listening to podcasts, but I really was just listening all the time in early 2015. 
And then friends came over to my house to kind of, you know, cheer me up, bring food over, you know, talk, drink wine. And one of my friends and I just kind of went down this rabbit hole of, oh, my gosh, I listened to this podcast. I loved it. She's like, oh, I listened to that, too. I need to you need to listen to this one. And I was like, oh, my God, I, you need to listen to this one. And it was just this thing that went on and it was fun. And I it just came to me. I said, oh, this needs to be a thing. We need to make this a thing. And so then and there, we agreed, okay, we're going to do podcasts. We're going to do a podcast club just like we do book club, and we're going to meet for brunch, and we're going to call it Podcast Brunch Club. And so I did it with friends for about a year, and then I kind of launched it more globally about a year later. And now we have 32 chapters across five continents, and Houston is one of them. And I wanted to kind of give our listeners a sense of the thought process you went through when you started a podcast brunch club. Cause we were talking about this on the phone the other day and we were like, Oh yeah, this, we need to record this conversation because it's just, it's funny. Cause I remember your, I, I, I reached out to you. I think let's go back a little bit. I reached out to you. This is how we met. And we actually have never met in person, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> we met because I reached out to you after I started podcast brunch club and I was putting out these podcast playlists and I knew you had this newsletter and I know how hard it is to have a newsletter and you were doing it every other week. I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll reach out to to other newsletter people who do newsletters clearly as a passion project and see if they want to feature podcast brunch club playlists as a way to just kind of give them a little reliable content to include in their newsletter every month. I get a little bit of promotion. They have the content. I can, you know, reciprocate or whatever. And so I reached out to you and pitched it to you and you, without hesitating, agreed. And you started including it and it was great. And then I think I, I don't know, we just emailed back and forth a couple of times. I said, you know, if you ever want to start a podcast brunch club in Houston, just let me know. Do you remember what you said? <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> you might think, oh, you know, Houston is a gigantic city. There should be plenty of people that want to listen to podcasts. And basically, that was my deer in the headlights moment. Uh, I'm an introvert. I can't do this. I listen to podcasts because I like to be by myself. And what if no one shows up? I don't know if I can do it. I can't go meet random strangers. Uh, I like to stay behind my newsletter. Um, yeah. <laughs> Curtain, basically. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. Like you want to talk to people, but you don't want it, it's intimidating to the idea of meeting a bunch of strangers to talk about it is intimidating. And yeah. I, I totally got that. And I think I was like, yeah, no problem. Whatever. Just let me know if when you're ready. And then out of yep. nowhere, I don't know how long it took, but out of nowhere one year, I think it must have been around the new year. A couple yes, years it ago. Was. Yeah. Yep. And you just said, I think I'm ready. And I think you must have gone through some sort of New Year's resolution. <laughs> <process>. Metamorphosis. Yeah. <laughs> and you reached out and you were like, let's start this. And I said, OK. And and it's been going strong ever since you get you have a good I mean, you, I don't know if you want to tell people. Sure. About. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So so I think I, honestly, if you're someone out there and you're thinking about starting a podcast brunch club chapter. Probably everyone has a friend locally that they do talk to podcasts, about, talk about podcasts with. And my friend, Christine, I told her, if I do this, would you come at least one time? <laughs> so at least we have a, we have one, I have one person that can go with me. And, um, you know, so it's not like super, super scary. And 
the first time we uh, I, I put together, uh, Adela had collected some information, uh, people who are interested in the area, just a few emails, email addresses of people that thought they might want to come. And I figured, well, those people are going to probably be nervous too. So we'll have a real low pressure, low key. We just met at a coffee shop the very first time. We didn't even do a full brunch or anything like that. It's just a coffee shop. So I figured... This is low commitment. And the awesome thing is that there's a preset reason why you're talking. Like there's a a specific list of podcasts that you're there to talk about. So you don't have to make small talk. I don't know. There's no pressure for me as the leader to come up with anything to talk about. Um, Most of the time, I literally print out the questions or I have them on my phone, the discussion questions from the website, and then we talk about them. And You know, over time, of course, some of the folks here in Houston, we've gotten to know each other better. And I really look forward to seeing them every month. And I look forward to meeting new people that are coming just because it's just I want to feel like the welcoming person for those people because I was nervous in the beginning. So but it was so quickly that that changed where the second meeting, the same people came as the who came to the first meetings and then same people came the third time and we got a few more people. And so that's just kind of the evolution. I really appreciate my local podcast brunch club. They're really open-minded, fun, really willing to share anything that they have to say. Like nobody's afraid of saying their opinion. And we always, always talk about what other stuff we're listening to. We talk about Uh, Some of the people in our group have podcasts, so that's awesome. We get to find out what's going on with their show. I've been to a live event here from someone in in our podcast brunch club. So it was just that initial getting over that hump of, uh, this is so weird. Like, what if they don't know who I am? But I brought a little sign and I put podcast brunch club on it and people found me. It was fine. Yeah. I always tell people, I've learned a lot since launching all these chapters, and you were kind of on the earlier side of all the chapter launches, so I probably didn't share some of this with you, but you've done such a great job. I didn't really feel like I needed to, but just to put people's minds at ease, because it's not just the chapter leader that's nervous about going and meeting new people. It's the people who are coming that are like, okay, I'm going to go to this strange place. I'm going to meet a bunch of strangers to talk about a topic that I don't know if I want to share my opinion with them and this and that. And so they get nervous. They love the idea in theory, and then the day of, they get nervous. They don't show up. And so I always tell the chapter leader, just send out an email the day before to the people who have RSVP'd and just say, I'm going to have a balloon on the table or something that's like an easy identifier or something that they could just look, scan the room, see it. Oh, that's the group. And they don't have to, you know, because I think for me, the terrifying thing would be walking up to random groups of strangers and saying, are you podcast brunch club? Are you podcast brunch? That's really awkward. So just making it easy. And and that's worked really well. And I will say that the types of people who want to do podcast brunch club are just, I don't know, it's, it, they're awesome. And so there's really nothing to be afraid of. Everybody seems really friendly and open. If you're, if it's, if you're the type of person who wants to get together with strangers and talk or thinks it's a good idea, even in theory, then you're going to be fine. You know, it's it's it it's not the people who have the really controversial things to say or who are trying to egg a group on or troll people. The trolls are not going to come to a podcast brunch club meeting. They're just not. They're the ones who are going to stay behind their screens and type things that are mean. They're not going to say things 
to your face that are mean. So it's it's just a it's a group that's just generally awesome. I can't tell you how many awesome people I've met. I, I really can't. I can't even count how many awesome people I've met. I got an email from the middle of the ocean off the coast of Australia from a guy who is on a ship that's servicing an oil tanker, I think. And he sent me the nicest email saying that he was really sad about the Podcast Brunch Club uh, podcast potentially ending. You know, our audio editor who's going to be editing this podcast is our Minneapolis chapter leader. And he just stepped up saying, I really hate to hear that the podcast is going away. I'm happy to help in any way I can. And his girlfriend has stepped up to offer her services to manage our Instagram account so I can focus on the podcast or doing all the other things that I want to do. And just people are generally awesome. And every time that I see the news and there's something horrible that has happened and there's, you know, just pure evil sometimes in the world, I just have to remember Podcast Brunch Club group because they're just really amazing, giving, awesome people. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I feel like also when when I meet up with the people that are the kind of the regulars here that often come in Houston, almost everybody has kids. And it's it's like this is like a really nice outlet for them to – not get away. I, I mean it, but it it's like a, engaging a different part of your brain. And I don't know. It's just, it's really nice how much we have in common. I think I was worried about that for myself. Like, is this going to be, am I going to be taking a lot of time away from my family to go do this? And are they cool with that? Like the, for me to just kind of feed this passion project, you know, well, I guess with Audible Feast as well, but really even Podcast Brunch Club, like I really, really want to go every single month. I really want to, I love having that conversation with people, random strangers and my now friends that I would say. So I think everybody also probably feels the same that comes. It's like, it's such a really nice outlet to talk about something you're really passionate about. And one of the things that you, you've you talk about often with Podcast Brunch Club is, you know, we listen to podcasts. Probably everybody's thinking the same thing. You listen to something and you think, oh my gosh, I know I want to talk about this with someone, but the person I live with is like, eh, whatever, you know? I mean, how many times you probably had that conversation? <laughs> they just, they just don't share the same passion. You know, you try to get them into something that they might be interested in so you can have some mutual interest. But, um, but that's already built in with all these awesome podcast lovers. They're out there. They might be introverted, but they're totally out there. Yeah. Something that I think that we stumbled upon in in developing Podcast Bunch Club is I think we all know that there's a need for people to get to, together in person. I mean, there's so much tech that allows us to just hide be behind our computer screen. And so it's not that big of an epiphany that people want to get together and that there's this need for people to get together in real life. Put your phone away for a second have a conversation with somebody eye to eye. But I think with what I stumbled upon that's surprising is that I think the reason people like it is because there's a very specific thing that you're getting together to talk about. It's not just this nebulous networking meeting or and there not to say that there might not be networking happening. There might very well be but that's not the purpose of it. It's not this nebulous concept of why you're getting together in person. It's this very specific reason you're getting together in person. And if the conversation veers off of whatever the playlist is for the month, that's fine. If it goes towards other podcasts and other playlists or podcast recommendations, that's fine. If it goes somewhere totally different and has nothing to do with podcasts, 
that's fine. The whole mm-hmm. reason is that it's almost like a jumping off point for you guys to have conversations with each other about whatever you want to have conversations with each other about. But it is a way to at least start from the common ground and then go wherever it goes. And I know that a lot of podcast discovery is happening in these meetings, you know, where somebody will say, oh, my God, have you guys listened to this podcast? And immediately people will go to their phone and just download it. It's fun. It's not a big deal. Starting a chapter, I try to make it as easy as possible. I The curation is done for you. You know, the podcast playlist is already curated for you. I try to help as much as I can with member recruitment. Really, at the end of the day, once you kind of get a core group of people together, it's picking a location, picking a time, communicating that information to the group, and it's pretty easy. The one thing I will say about what you said about your friend Christine is, you know, for that first person, it doesn't even have to be somebody who listens to podcasts. It just has to be somebody who's willing to spend two hours with you. And I'm sure you can find somebody who's willing to just like hang out with you for two hours in case nobody else shows up. If nobody else shows up, it's just you and Christine having brunch or having coffee. Exactly. And it doesn't have to be brunch. It could be happy hour. Our London chapter meets on, you know, a Monday night at a pub and they do happy hour. That's fine. It's just brunch was brunch because that's how I started it in Chicago. So without getting too, I feel like we've already talked our heads off about about (laughs) it. I just wanted everybody to meet you, get to know you a little bit, how you're, you know, in the podcast world and where they can go to learn more about you. You can follow her on Twitter at uh, audible underscore feast. She is really good about getting news out about everything that's going on in the podcast networks and the podcast, you know, new podcasts that are coming out. She's got, I love her review site. It's great. And you can actually go to her, uh, I think you have a, I forget what it's called, but a whole list of all the reviews categorized by how many stars you gave it. So that's fun. Yep. An index. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Right. The index. That's great. So I would recommend it. But uh, I just wanted to give you guys an intro to Sarah because you're going to get to know her over the next however many episodes. So happy to be here. Thanks, Sarah. Well, that wraps it up, sort of. Um, I wanted to follow up on some of my comments about how I should do some research into the question of whether or not there are more women graduating from college than men. I had heard that sort of thrown around a lot. And I had the thought, well, maybe I should find out for real if that's true. So I put my nerd glasses on and I dug into the data and I was shocked. I mean, seriously, you guys, I was wide-eyed. It's not only true, it's like shockingly true. So here's the data. The data actually went back to 1950 and projected out to 2026-27. So this is per academic school year. And it's talking about how many people have graduated that year. So the last available date where actual data was available was the 2014-2015 school year. And in that year, there were 33% more women graduating with a bachelor's degree than, than men. And projections out to 2026-27 show that 38% more women will be graduating with with a bachelor's degree. So, I mean, that number was crazy to me. I did not think it was going to be in the double digits, let alone, you know, in the 30s. That's crazy. But I also dug into the data for master's degrees. And for 2014, 2015, 47% more women graduated with a master's degree than men. And in 2026, 27, it's supposed to be 
And this is also true of doctoral degrees. So in 2014, 2015, 10% more women were graduating with doctoral degrees than men. So, you know, the the thought is that college-educated men are a lot more willing to date non-college-educated women than college-educated women are willing to date non-college-educated men. So with more women graduating with a college degree than men, the pool is already smaller. And then with those men willing to date outside of that pool, the pool becomes smaller for women. So it's no wonder that I have experienced it and that I've seen so many friends experience it. And the Dear Sugars hosts are getting countless letters about it. So I just wanted to share that with you. That was shocking. Anyway, that about wraps it up. I really hope you enjoyed the new format. Again, seriously, constructive criticism is welcome. If you hated it, tell me and tell me why. I want to know for real. Uh, and and really what I want this to be is not just me and Sarah recording our commentary. I want you guys to be recording your commentary. We're just sort of the guinea pigs in this in this experiment for now. We really want you, as you're listening to the podcast episodes, to hit pause, record your comment, and shoot it off to me at podcast at podcastbrunchclub.com. Now, if you haven't yet joined a Podcast Brunch Club chapter, do it. It's on the website just go to in-person chapters. You can see where we have chapters. You can also follow us on Twitter at Podcast Brunch. You can also uh, join our Facebook group. That's huge. I posted all of the data about the rates of graduation. And if you can't participate in person, it's a great way to participate. And that's about it. Uh, one more thing. The theme for March is adoption. And you can find the podcast playlist at podcastbrunchclub.com slash adoption. Thanks and happy listening.